Hello and welcome to Live with Pastor Brian. And of course, I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and I have with me Eric Brookins. Uh, so, hello, Eric. Glad that you are with us. Why don't we start out by telling people uh, how we know each other? How do you? So, know? we know each other from Palm Beach. Now it's called Palm Beach Atlantic University. Right. It was right. just Palm Much Beach Atlantic College. Yeah, yeah, after we left, they upgraded it. <laughs> and uh, they still say go fish though. So I was proud of that. And you were a student that studied at PBA and I was a student who went there. <laughs> That's how we know each other. Yes. Yes. And uh, you had classes with Sue Ellen, you mentioned when we were talking. I did. I did. I was the irreverent one in class and she was the studious one once again. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, so we, I was an education major and a biology major. So we had education classes together. So. Okay. Um, that was Very that good. was how we knew each other. Yeah, and I don't. We didn't hang out that much. I really don't think I was cool enough to hang out with you. To be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so I think I think we had mutual friends. Yes. Um, because they were in classes with me, but I don't know that you were ever in any of my classes. Yeah, I don't think um, so. And I think you were a year or so ahead of me as well. But, yeah. Um, what year did you graduate? Ninety-one. Yep. Yep. I was one year ahead. So. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually only there three years, so um, you would have only seen me two. I see. Okay. So I have, uh, you know, with the invention of Facebook, everybody kind of caught up with a lot of their old classmates. And so I've been watching you from a distance in, uh, on Facebook. And now, what are you doing? So I pastor a church here in Cocoa, Florida. Now, where is Cocoa, Florida for people who don't know? If you drive from Disney World in Orlando east, you will, after an hour, run into the coast. Okay. Uh, to where they launch rockets from. So we, we actually have stopped church for a minute or two, gone outside, watched a rocket launch, and then come back into church. I don't, I don't know what else to do about it. The, it shakes the building, so I, I, we've kept that. <laughs> right. Okay. Very good. And uh, so now you are pastoring. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you right now is you have the interesting perspective of pastoring during this time, as well as being married to a doctor. Yes, uh, an amazing doctor, too. She is uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'll be honest with you. And, and it's not just me that says that. Other people say that, including uh, the CEO that recognized her uh, just a couple weeks ago. So, awesome. So well, what, what, what does she do as a doctor? What's her name and what's her specialty, what she does? So, so her name is Kristen and she is a hospitalist at Advent Health here in Orlando, a Christian-based hospital. So that's nice too. She can actually share and pray with patients, which she does. And um, so she has that unique perspective. A hospitalist, uh, also sometimes called an internist, which I thought, uh, meant she was an intern. That's a long story, but um, uh, you know, church world, we to have interns. Uh, but a hospitalist, basically, when you go to the hospital now, you have a doctor for you at the hospital, and so she will take on uh, maybe up to twenty, sometimes more, sometimes less uh, patients that she, uh, when she's on, they're kind of under her. They get admitted to the hospital. Mm -hmm. She takes care of all their medicines, updates their surgeons, all that kind of stuff. So okay. So my, my big questions are, 
what have you learned during this lockdown, during COVID, being married to a doctor, as well as being a pastor in this time, and how those two uh, possibly unique perspectives have been blended in your life? So you can answer that however you like. <laughs> you should never let me loose like that. So my <laughs> first, uh, so, you know, we heard on the news about COVID. Now, here's what's funny. My wife does not watch the news. She typically has no idea what's going on. I'm like her morning report. So if I see that something's important for her to know, I actually will, in the morning, bring her her coffee and tell her, here's what's happening, you know, things you need to know about. Um, so, but she came home one day and she looked at me and she said, you aren't going to the gym anymore. Well, I get up, I had been getting up at 4.20 every morning going to the gym, I'd be there before five o'clock and work out in the morning, my routine for years. She says, you're not going to the gym anymore, which was like, what? And um, I, you know, I told her, they wipe down all the equipment. They, you know, I, t I talked about, I wipe it down before I get on. Oh, she said, no, no, no. I just had a patient come in who did all of that. And she named the health club and said, and now, there's an outbreak from that health club in this area, uh, we believe because of working out and the, um, uh, basically the uh, uh, droplets in the air. It's not the virus, it's the virus attached to the droplets. Mm -hmm. I had no idea about any of that. So of course I did the, well, but yeah. And, and she said, uh, <laughs> you can get an elliptical and do it at home. Ah. So, so yeah. that's, that's so, why you have the exercise robot in the background. That's what we have like. the exercise <laughs> robot in the background. And <laughs> even my son is wanting to go back to the gym because he loves to play basketball. And in Florida, the gyms are already open. YMCA is open. Mm. And we've kind of said, you need to wait just a little bit longer here for us to see what's happening. So mm -hmm. that was a yep. unique perspective that a lot of people didn't have because she actually has worked on the COVID floor. She knows how people, a, a lot of times she can figure out kind of, where they're at, not necessarily, but if they get several patients, and of course, nursing homes are uh, the most difficult uh, because it goes patient to patient so easily, and they're so critical. Um, the good news is many of the cases in Florida have been very mild. Um, we have, I believe, I don't want to exaggerate because I am a pastor and numbers typically aren't good, but I think we have uh, four or five people in our church that have had COVID Mm. all mild cases. And a friend of mine in Brevard, he and his wife, who is a pastor, uh, both had COVID. Um, and they actually got it, they think, in a church service right before mm. they shut everything well, down. So One of the challenges that you and I talked about was that there, there has been so much conflicting information, uh, probably in part because it is a new disease and and there was new information coming out at all time. But I think that's one of the reasons why it's been so challenging for everyone is, you know, you hear one thing and then you hear something else and it's hard to know what is going on. So um, how, what, what perspective would you bring to that and how have you navigated that? For example, we talked about masks that you know, early on the CDC was saying, eh, not a big deal, it seemed like, and then, uh, it became a big deal, and now it's become a very divisive issue. So what have you learned, and how have you navigated all of that? Well, so I think, you know, this is the conversation early on with my wife, because very early on is when they were saying it was only transmitted by surfaces. 
Um, and even then my wife said, don't wear gloves, just wash your hands and, and that kind of thing. Um, we started wearing masks into the grocery store before anybody else was here, uh, which was awkward. Um, the only thing I knew to do is when people looked at me funny, I would cough. I, I didn't know what else to do. It just made me feel better. Uh, it's very vain, but you know, it still works by the way. Uh, they do move back when you cough just a little, but, um, so, you know, Kristen basically, as we talk said, you know, Eric, I wear masks, a surgical mask, especially all day, all the time. There's times, and anytime I think I have a cold, her hospital, anytime someone did not have the flu shot, um, or could not have the flu shot, they would have to wear a mask. And the reason why was so they wouldn't accidentally cough or even if they were talking and have droplets of virus mm -hmm. uh, uh, go in the air. And so there's been more and more studies of that. Um, there's been some misinformation about masks and CO2. And that's really kind of a funny thing because if it really was hurting doctors, um, th that would have already been fixed if a surgical mask was making your surgeon pass out or lose consciousness. Uh, that would be a problem. Now, you Especially know, we brain all surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're in the middle of brain surgery and you pass out, or you're, or you're uh, uh, losing brain cells every day, you really your surgeon would get dumber and dumber. <laughs> um, and doctors would have addressed that years ago. I mean, they've been wearing surgical masks. Uh, uh, I think since the Civil War. I'm not sure. I, I want to say that's when we first started learning uh, about things. Uh, we don't want to do things like we did back then. Um, so anyway, but I, you know. Um, but I realized that people, when people are scared, they're always looking for black and white, easy answers. And those answers aren't always easy. Um, we have told people in our church, if they can't wear a mask, because sometimes if you've got a breathing problem, maybe you have COPD. Um, and I'm also aware some people are just claustrophobic. Like I am afraid of heights. They're afraid of, of things. Um, so we've kind of said, hey, we want you, we encourage wearing a mask um, because we realize the more people that wear a mask, the less chance of them coughing it on somebody. There's still a chance. If you're close proximity with somebody, you still could give it to them, but it just knocks the chances down. Yeah. Uh, uh, One of the things that I've heard is that masks are unnecessary because they don't, per they don't keep the virus from getting to you. And I think that's one of the things that our conversation kind of pointed out and reminded me of is that it's in essence so that you don't share anything with anyone else because that's part of the challenge of this disease is that you can be asymptomatic. You can have it, spread it, and never know that you had it. And just like uh, when, a, when a doctor wears one in a surgery, it's not to protect them from anything that the patient might have. It's to protect the patient from anything that the doctor might have. So it's much more about keeping your germs to yourself. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it, they do think it does have some effect the other way also, but yes, the mm -hmm. primary is that way. And even from the very beginning, the World Health Organization, which initially discouraged masks just because of supply, not because of a medical reason. Mm. Um, they actually will say that if you read into their articles, they'll say masks, not necessary. And then as you read their articles, they say, except for people with COVID, what? So we've had, uh, five or six people, I think at our church, I know one very specifically, I heard her whole story. She only got tested because somebody said, why don't you go get tested? She had no fever, no cough, no symptoms and went and got tested and had to stay home several weeks. Um, and then finally tested negative. 
Mm. And so, yeah, so, and, and I would say most of the people that are in our church, um, one person had symptoms and then they tested the rest of the family and several people in the family had it. So mm-hmm. I think the same thing happened with the NBA months ago um, where they, remember they tested a whole bunch of people, but only one actually had symptoms. So yes, that's true. Mm. So that kind of transitions nicely to the second half of the equation, which is, you know, we have people all over the map on their take on that, on social distancing, on the necessity of the lockdown. Some people are really scared, which you brought out, and that can really affect the way some people act. So how have you navigated all of that from a pastoral perspective? So, you know, we've tried to, uh, well, number one, I've tried to realize that people come from all different places. Um, I mean, we have people who, like you said, they don't want to, they don't want to social distance. They don't, they want to hug everybody. So we've tried to say, you know, Hey, even if it's just for other people, you know, maybe, you know, hold back for now. Um, The other thing we've done is we've done a drive-in service, uh, which has been great. We're actually continuing that even though we have an in-person service, we actually now have two because we just broadcast our two services on the radio. Um, plus we do the online. So people get options and I try to never guilt. If somebody writes me and says, Eric, I'm so sorry. We just don't feel comfortable coming yet. I tell them that's great. Then don't come, you know, watch, encourage. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so that's, that's been a good thing. We've also done a couple of things where some of our senior adults, we've gone and, and dropped off things at their house just to make them feel a little connected. I've tried to catch up, you know, I, I especially have paid attention to some of our older um, folks and, and tried to call them and kind of check on them or even text them. I have a few, like my, uh, my mother, even in her mid eighties uh, is very good at texting. She likes texting better. So, which is funny because most right. people her age don't like it at all. So, right. uh, but I've even had, you know, zoom uh, quite a few older folks on zoom where we've done zoom Bible studies. And so that's been yeah. great too. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things. Well, you mentioned how you how it first came on your radar screen. The first time that anybody had any kind of conversation with me, I was visiting one of our older congregants, and the people in our church will probably be able to guess who it was. And she she basically said, you know, I don't. And this wasn't even on my radar screen at the time. She said, you know, I don't know if I'll be coming to church. Because if I catch this, I'm pretty much going to (laughs) die. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And because she has underlying conditions, she has health concerns, she has, I don't know if it's COPD, but definitely breathing issues and and because of her age and all that. And, uh, you know, if you plug it into the calculator, it's, it's grim. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, that, that was how I first was introduced to it was somebody telling me, I'm not going to be at church because I could die. (laughs) Yeah. So now did you do like I did and kind of go home and start looking stuff up once you kind of. Yes. In fact, uh, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Have you heard of that? Yeah. 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 All right. So I'm a number five and a five, their nickname is the investigator. So that means if I go see a movie about, you know, something that's loosely based on history, I go home and I research it and I would become an expert on that. You know, way back when the Titanic came out, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I just spent the next three months just in my leisure time researching all about the Titanic. So, yes, and you, know there's a guy, you know, there's a guy in that movie that was on the Titanic and survived. Oh, really? I did not know you that. Know that. I did not. I won't, I won't tell you how he survived because Baptists, we don't like it. <laughs> but 
but oh, he made right, his, right, right. He made his own antifreeze is what because I, I said to my wife i said could that be true she goes oh yeah yeah it's like antifreeze so there you go that's what you wanted on this that's what you wanted on this zoom call right that's now. the content i was aiming for exactly yeah 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 so so yes yeah. so i that that's what i did is basically from from the beginning that that conversation was probably uh in the first week of march and then as it became more and more prevalent in the news i started digging deep and researching and by that Saturday, I was calling our team together and saying, I think we might need to do something. And uh, then, so we were, we were, you know, everything started happening very quickly, but we had decided not to meet that first week before the governor said anything, before a lot of churches were uh, making that decision, but everything happened so quickly. So it's not like we were especially prescient or anything. Yeah, like but it's hard. That. It's, it's hard to be first. It's hard to be first to say, yeah, I don't think we weren't we the first, but you know, it was, yeah. it was early and everything was happening, but yes, I'm, I'm a researcher. So, uh, you know, I, I go deep and I try to read. And I think that's, again, one of the frustrations and challenges that we've faced is you hear so many conflicting messages and everybody has an agenda. So it's really hard to sort out what's reliable and dependable and make a good decision, but everybody's doing their best. Yeah, so what about just, you? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just, if you had something to say, go ahead, but I was just I was gonna, gonna say. They just caught some researchers that had turned in false research that was actually published in, by the uh, World Health Organization. Yeah. And they didn't even have a science background. I don't know if you saw any of that. It's crazy stuff. And we've never in our, it's because everybody has a platform now. Right. And so, right. so somebody, if they make it outrageous enough, everybody's going to go, yeah, that's what it is. You know, it's a trick. So um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So just to wrap up, what about you personally? What have been the personal lessons that you as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor uh, navigating through this? What have you learned? Or what do you feel like the Lord is teaching you? Maybe you haven't learned it yet. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's funny because I realize how diverse. I did a survey before we went back to in-person meetings. Um, a friend of mine had sent out a survey. And I kind of had heard some things about uh, masks and how people felt and then whether people would feel. So I put some questions in that survey and it, it really caused me to realize how diverse our church really is um, uh, politically um, uh, with, with what they believe and who they believe. Um, and so for me, you know, I want to be the person who um, can look at people no matter where they're coming from and help them. I, I never want to chase anybody away from Christ mm. because of something that's less important. Absolutely. And, you know, a virus might somebody send somebody to their grave, but I realize that I have the opportunity to help somebody find their way home to heaven. Mm. And so, you know, as important as what everybody does is, if we can keep the bigger perspective that in this, we want to help these people. So, so I don't want to chase anybody off because they don't believe what I believe about a medical issue that truthfully, I'm not trained in. And so, uh, you know, in theology, I know who God is. Um, and I, of course, have had many uh, uh, personal testimonies about Christ. And so I'm trying to keep the focus there, even while trying to keep people safe. Now, the good news is I expected like half the people to wear masks last week when we went back to church. 
everybody wore a mask. I was actually surprised. Um, and I actually wear mine until I get on the stage and then I take it off. Um, um, but you know, that's, it's been a very, as much as I thought people would, the other thing I learned is we have so many people that are full of grace. And so I had uh, one lady who said, you know what, I'm not coming into service. And I said, Oh, we, we um, you can come into service. She goes, no, no, I don't want to wear a mask. I'm claustrophobic, but I also don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to listen in the parking lot. Mm. And I thought, you know, that's so gracious. She cared more about other people than sitting in the building with us. So um, it's just, it's just neat to see people and it, and it, and it just encourages me as a pastor. So I don't know if that's what you were asking, but I went there anyway. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I, I think it's been really helpful and encouraging, and it's been great to talk to you. And uh, if people wanted to follow you, be in touch with you, how would they? What's the best way to to keep up with you? Well, I mean, I have a, a, a Facebook page, Eric Brookins, um, E R I C K. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is ADD Pastor. I don't know if you knew that. I, actually <laughs> I think I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Somebody said, why well, do you have ad, ad pastor? <laughs> but, um, and as you noticed during this conversation, uh, when I was in seminary, actually when I learned that I had ADD, I wasn't aware of it until one of my friends said, uh, no, you need to go get checked out. So. Very good. Well, thanks again. And uh, so follow Eric on, on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, we'll look forward to being in touch again. Thanks again. All right, my friend. Thanks.